Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Starting Small Music Podcast. I'm your host, Justin McCormick, and today we have a very special guest with us. We have the bassist for Seaforth, Justin DeGraff. I actually got to meet up with Justin a few months back when his band Seaforth was playing at the Troubadour, and I had a great time talking to Justin about his time growing up in Canada, making the move to Nashville, and what it's been like touring on the road with Seaforth. I hope you guys enjoy this episode, and we'll see you at the end. Just keep a smile on your face and it'll be okay. Justin. Amazing, thank you for having me. Uh, I'm glad this worked out. We're uh, in LA during the heat wave. Yeah. Extremely hot in here. For sure. Uh, but Justin's a man. Let's go. <laughs> so, getting right into your story, uh, I like to start in your childhood. Where'd you grow up and what was your childhood like? So, um, so I grew up in uh, just outside Toronto, Ontario, in Canada. Um, so, really close to Buffalo. So, I was like almost American, you know? Yeah. <laughs> uh, but I was coming to the States as a kid a bunch with my family. And then, uh, so I went to school. I was a big athlete, I would say. Uh, I played a lot, uh, a lot of sports. Anyways, uh, I quit uh, sports uh, and I chose music when I was 16, and uh, and I devastated my dad and my mom. But uh, so, anyways, so I was kicked out for a little while. But uh, I chose music, and I've been touring probably for almost 20 years now. So it's actually crazy. So I'm older than I look. It's crazy. I played here. Almost 20 years ago. Oh was, no! When I was 19, and I'm 38, almost 39, and uh, and that's actually really crazy to think about. 20 years, it's that's uh, been crazy. I thought you were like 25. Uh, I get that a lot. <laughs> that's that's a compliment. <laughs> Thank you. It's been my saving grace. So uh, yeah, no, I've been touring with my own bands and other artists forever. Yeah. So. So growing up, who were some of the first artists that, or bands that you listened to that like made you feel a connection to music? Uh, yeah, so growing up, um, I grew up in like a Catholic household, so they were kind of Same. strict. Yeah, right on. So they were kind of strict, but I lo- I loved everything. I loved like, like I loved rap. Like I loved, uh, like well, I loved like the Beatles, like like all that stuff. Growing up, my parents, my parents had that playing a lot. But I grew up with like literally everything, rap to like Johnny Cash to sh- like Cheryl Crow. Uh, I just loved everything. I loved a lot of rap though. Uh, but what made me want to play music? Uh, I got to in grade nine in high school, and uh, I met a friend, and he knew how to play guitar. Yeah. And he started playing his guitar. I was like, Poof, that was insane. So uh, he started playing that song "What It's Like" by Everlast. Uh-huh. Uh, great little like acoustic guitar intro. Mm-hmm. So I learned that, and I like stayed in this guitar room for man months. It was so hard. Anyways, uh, but like we loved Blink One Eighty Two, so yeah. uh, we tried being Blink One Eighty Two. So we had like a band throughout high school basically emulating Blink-182, mm-hmm. and uh, and then after high school, I kind of branched out and had my own band, and we toured the States, that's when I played here, mm-hmm. when I was 19, a long time ago, and then uh, we toured the States, toured Europe, and then all my bands broke up, and I was like, well, what am I gonna do now? And then uh, I got hired by someone, and then all of a sudden I became a hired bass player, and, uh, and I did that for a long time in Toronto, and toured with a lot of like pop stars down there, who haven't necessarily broken out in the States. Yeah. And then I made my own band again in my 30s, which is really hard. Yeah. And uh, and we did a showcase in Nashville with our producer who was managing Zach Brown at the time. Oh, wow. And he brought us into Zach Brown studio in Nashville. And we were uh, did a showcase. And Mitch and Tom were there from Seaforth. 
and I just met like these random Australian guys didn't think anything of it we did not get a record deal that day but uh, I got a call about a month later from our producer saying these guys in Seaforth want to move you to the States and do it I'm like, and their music's amazing they're yeah. literally the best musicians I've ever played with ever For sure. I mean that um, anyways and then I moved to Nashville uh, and I've been there for almost four years wow so those, that first tour you said to the States and mm -hmm. going to Europe, was that all independent or did you have a record so deal? So we at the did time? have a record deal. We were on a, an independent record label called Victory Records out of Chicago. Mm -hmm. So we were like a rock, punky kind of band. Mm -hmm. uh, but I was like, I went to college for like for a month, knowing I didn't want to go to college, didn't care anything. And I saw an audition for this band, and I auditioned because it was it used to be a bigger band called the, it was a band called Grade, and they are like they were huge in Canada broke into the States and then they broke up and they became this band and then I joined this band. So I did an audition, got the gig, convinced my parents to let me drop out of school really quick, but I also failed out, which was horrible. I, failed. I wasn't welcome back even if I wanted to go back, but uh, I was there for all the wrong reasons. I didn't want to do it. I knew right away, which was what was really cool was when I was 16 in grade nine, I heard, like I started playing guitar and I knew what I wanted to do right away. Yeah. And I've never had a backup plan. It's always been it. And it's been the hardest journey of my, like, for all I know, for one. But uh, I just, just never stopped, you know? And never have a backup plan, because I would have gone to it a million years ago. Now, were you writing your own original material at that time so, then, or? So, yep, so we wrote a bunch. Uh, I I actually moved to Nashville without having Mitch and Tom. Like, we were planning on coming up to write songs anyways yeah. for our band, me and a singer. And um, so that's when I kind of got back into the writing thing. We always used to write music, never really wrote lyrics. Yeah. And then when you moved to Nashville, you quickly learned that you have to write lyrics. So um, my favorite band is the Eagles, and I kind of feel like I learned how to like project lyrics through them. Oh, yeah. Even though I'm not a smidgen of... And harmonize too, bro. Right? It's insane, man. It's insane. <laughs> so it's my favorite band ever. But, uh, but yeah, I feel like it's just been a weird, natural progression that's just never stopped. And coming back here today is really weird yeah because literally it reminds me of how old i really am <laughs> and that sucks like, so what was that conversation like with your parents you're telling them you're dropping out of school like is it a phone call with you in person uh, it was horrible uh well first of all i was a soccer player i played very competitive soccer my dad played pro in, in holland for a team oh wow he moved to canada quit soccer and then he tried making me a soccer player and uh, i was good i was i was fast and i could score but i wasn't my like thing and he knew and my sister and I both played. I had the skill and she had the heart. I never had, like, and I, like I never knew I wanted it. I often wonder what life would have been like if I did go down that route. But uh, no, I just chose music and it wasn't, it just chose me, really, sure. as lame as that sounds. It, it just, it was just a thing and I, and I never had a backup plan. And like, I had all these guidance counselors in high school bring my parents and be like, he needs a plan. And I'm like, I'm good. Yeah. Like, I'm gonna figure it out and play music somehow. And I chose, I chose the bass because uh, my best friend in high school, who was teaching me how to play guitar, played guitar, and Blink-182 only had three people. Yeah. So I was like, well, if you're playing guitar, I guess I'll play bass. And then <laughs> I've just grown to love the instrument so much and sure. respect the hell out of it. So. Now, I know you had like a really successful like wedding band like back in Canada, too. Is this yeah. with uh, your friend, too? Or so, so, this, so, I, so I randomly got into this. Um, a good buddy of mine, uh, Eric Rosinski, he's actually coming tonight. He, he lives in L.A. Oh, cool. He started the band, and then he got a gig with Alessia Cara, mm -hmm. and he moved to L.A., and then I was just given this role of booking 
I'm like six percent commission. I'm like, oh, okay. I had no idea what I was doing. And like I kinda just like learned without realizing I was learning how to run a wedding band. So then I moved to Nashville years later and uh, I was like I'm never doing wedding bands ever again. But then I got engaged and I'm like, my own we're marrying a southern girl. You you don't really realize that their parents pay for it all, yeah. Because it's what you do in the south. And I was like, well, that's a. But I felt like I have no say in anything. Mm-hmm. My only thing was like, I need a band. Yeah. I cannot have not have a band because I'll feel like a poser. Mm-hmm. So uh, so I was like, so I'll 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 find a band for the budget that I thought bands charged will be charged in Toronto. Yeah. And uh, and quickly I realized that people in Nashville charge way more because it's the wedding capital of the world apparently. Oh really? So I was like. Screw it! I'll make my own band, and I ma- I basically already had a band that was playing cover band stuff, and I was like, "You want to make more money, and we can just do this." And yeah. my goal with that is to pay musicians what they're worth, because we get uh, taken for a ride a lot of the time. Mm-hmm. So I made this company. It's great. Like it obviously is lucrative, which is great, but I like to pay my people way more money than they're used to, and I feel like I get great joy out of that uh, because I've been through the ringer for so long. Now doing those yeah. wedding gigs did like that help you kind of fund your move to Nashville? I mean, because like wedding gigs pay um, so good. I feel like no, not so much. I didn't really have like I just went with what I had. I got. You. I didn't really have much. Like I, like I luckily moved to Nashville with a job. Mm-hmm. You know, like working the C four. So what makes it hard is like we're put on a visa, like a working visa. So legally, I'm only allowed to make money through C four, right? Mm-hmm. Whether I do or not, that's nobody's business. <laughs> but I'm just kidding. Um, but yeah, so it makes it kind of complicated. So over COVID, it was a little tough, but because yeah. uh, no one was playing, so it's been a it's been a journey, man. It's been, but honestly, those guys out there are the nicest dudes ever from Australia, and they moved me here on their green card. They have the pick of the litter here. Amazing musicians in Nashville. It's right. And they saw me at one show, and they approached me for my own band, which I was more than happy for because the songs literally are my favorite. Really? Yeah. Hey, I hope you guys are enjoying this episode, and I'd like to take a pause to thank this week's mid-break sponsor, Termery. As busy musicians, it is crucial that you get a good night's sleep so you can go on the road or in the studio well-rested. And that's where Termery comes into play. With a wide variety of mattresses, mattress toppers, beddings, and pillows, Termery is your one-stop shop to a good night's sleep. I personally use their 5-Zone mattress topper, which was designed to target and relieve pressure points, and I can truly say I have seen a change in my night's sleep. Termery also takes pride in using sustainable materials in their products, such as pure organic, non-GMO cotton, latex, bamboo, and linen. So go check them out for yourself at Termery.com and use code SSM10 for 10% off your next order. Now enjoy the rest of the episode. So, like, what was that like moving to Nashville? Was it a big culture shock coming from Canada? Uh, no, because I've been here a bunch. Like, I've toured the States. Uh, like, even before I played music, uh, before I played music, my dad would drive us, my mom and dad would drive us to Florida twice a year. Mm. So it's a 24-hour drive. You drive right through the South, yeah. through, like, Tennessee, Atlanta. Anyways, um, so I was always kind of grew up in the States. I knew I always wanted to live in the States because touring in Canada is really hard. So because everything is so spread out. Massive country. But you go on tour for two months and you play 15 shows. Right. You know, it's all travel, or or you gotta fly everywhere. And now with COVID, flying is a, is a pain in the ass. Mm-hmm. So uh, like every musician wants to move to America because you can tour forever. Yeah. You can tour California for the rest of your life. <laughs> Literally, the, the population in California is bigger than Canada. Jeez, which I is that. insanity because Canada is like double the size of America. <laughs> anyway, so population-wise and more places to play, right? It just makes it great. Thankfully, I was. It wasn't as much of a culture shock for me. Um, I kind of knew what I was getting into, 
experience definitely helped me through the journey, you know, so I was definitely coming in as a grandpa, like, I'm always the oldest guy in the band, <laughs> no one has any idea, but, um, so, it was good, but, uh, it was definitely kind of like a start from scratch again, because everyone I played with in Canada, you know, no one knows who they are, right, so right. your resume is like, for sure, now, uh, the only problem with Nashville, I guess, is that no Tim Hortons, right? I love Tim Hortons. I know, me too. I, I grew up in a house that was right next to the guy that owned Tim Hortons. No way. Amazing house. Is his name Tim Hortons? No, Tim so, so Tim Hortons, he was a hockey player. He died. Uh -huh. So a guy named Ron Joyce bought it. Okay. And Ron Joyce lived on the street. And my parents, basically where I grew up. Yeah. Uh, on the lake, which was super cool. But uh, he had this like 100 foot yacht that would like drive by on our stupid small lake Jeez. behind our house. And it had like a crew of like 15 people. Insane, but yeah. So I buy Lux and Orange, and I don't think it compares to Dunkin' Donuts. Dunkin' Donuts is no good, in my opinion. But Especially, no, it definitely trumps Starbucks. 100%. It's just different. <laughs> like you can literally get every meal there, and the coffee's great. And they have ice caps. Oh, yeah. Uh, ice cap with chocolate milk. That's the secret. <laughs> so, um, were you doing any session work when you were in Nashville, or were you just yeah. fo focusing on, like, touring with Seaforth? So, uh, yeah, I've always done some session stuff. Uh, I love recording. After COVID, it made it a lot easier because I can record from home. Yeah. So I have my studio. So like I like I recorded up some of the C4 stuff. Oh, cool. Um, like uh, breakups, which is really cool. That much radio and so officially that was my first like U.S. release. Yeah. Which was really cool. Um, but yeah, uh, I take work all the time from anybody. So uh, I love getting a chance to record people's songs. I mean, trust me, I do that. It's just a good feeling. Now, what's it work like uh, working with Rocky Block, like producing uh, some so, of the Seaport tracks? So, Rocky works with Mitch and Tom a lot, um, but like, just because we're all in the circle, we all kind of hang out. Yeah. Uh, Rocky and Grady are both amazing. I saw Grady with Ryan Yeah, and Rocky. Uh, we see Grady a lot more because he's been touring with Ernest. Oh, right. And we've been playing with Ernest a bunch. But uh, yeah, Rocky and like, they're just next level. And they're crushing Nashville. They're literally doing amazing, and I love seeing it. For sure. And they're such nice teams. Uh, one of my favorite tracks that you guys do is Good Beer with Jordan Davis. Yeah. Have you guys had like a live opportunity to do it with Jordan, yeah. like with everybody? Yeah, or? no, a bunch. Really? So, uh, yeah, that happened a lot this summer. So, so we were on tour with Jordan Davis last year, mm -hmm. and uh, they had this song, and randomly in the green room, I was like, you should get, you know, ask Jordan, just, just do a verse. Yeah. And then it randomly just happened, and uh, I'm so glad it did, because Jordan, Jordan, for one, is the nicest artist in the entire world. For sure. Uh, we really get along. Uh, his whole band is so cool. His whole team. Uh, so we've been really lucky with really cool features. We also did Mr. Tenpenny after that tour. We did the Tenpenny tour, and then they did anything she says. Right. Tenpenny right after, like same situation. Wow. That's yeah. So cool. Yeah. So, so like coming this, into the set every night, do you have a favorite song you look forward to every night? Uh, I like doing Good Beer just because I made up the dance for it. Oh really? And I get everyone to do it, and it's just not really a dance, but I just do like motions, and people do them back. So I do like that. It always is a fun part of the set. And then we do a shot uh, with all the, all the crowd in the bridge. So that's always fun. Could be like that. So is the troubadour going to see the dance tonight? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, I can't not do it. My body just, just goes. <laughs> I have no... I, it's actually really weird. But yeah, my body just does whatever it does on stage, and I have no idea what's going to happen. <laughs> so as someone coming from out of the United States, what do you think the rowdiest cr city is, like the rowdiest crowd you've played touring in the States? Good question. Um, we've been having a lot of really good ones lately. I feel like because uh, Queen of Daytona Beach is out, I feel like Florida is definitely a good one now because they can kind of use that and, and just Daytona, or even just all Florida girls is, is so fun. So uh, 
It's pretty fun. And it's probably our most upbeat song. For sure. So uh, I love playing that. And Sean Kingston sang on it randomly, which is so cool. <laughs> So. so, like, being on the road for 20-plus years now, how do you just, like, keep yourself healthy, motivated? Like, you're traveling all the time. Like, how do you play a show after traveling all day? That's probably the best question you've asked. I have no idea how I'm skinny, for one. Um, I, I need to fix my health. I need to, That's a real thing. I eat McDonald's all the time, and uh, I should be. I'm sure I'm rotting from the inside. But, uh, <laughs> yeah, no, of course, uh, lights will fix you. It's okay. Well, that's, what I'm, that's the drink of choice. It's like water, right? So, um... No, I definitely need to, uh, so when I play sports, like, that was my gym, I guess. I don't like going to the gym. So me and Mitch, actually, we play, we play tennis. Uh, we were all in, like, soccer leagues. Oh, dang. Um, so we try to stay active, but because Nashville is so hot, mm -hmm. you can't do anything in the summer. Right. So we haven't played in months because it's just been too hot. So I, right now, with my, like, thankfully I have shows, and thankfully I move enough in shows to where it works somehow. Yeah. Right. So uh, I like to close all my interviews asking, what's a piece of advice you've learned along the way that you'd give to someone that wants to be in your shoes? Don't have a backup plan. I know how, I don't, I don't know if that's good advice, but I know everyone that does have a backup plan stops. Yeah. Because it's gonna, it's, it's a hard road. And like, don't get me wrong, Nashville is the best move I've ever made. And I think the opportunity there is greater than anywhere I've ever been. Yeah. But uh, Toronto is amazing. Like, like I definitely had a good career touring Canada, but again, you want to, branch and like it's like it's like the big leagues in the states you know you want to get here because everyone and then once you make it here you make it everywhere you yeah know? so essentially uh and just america is awesome the amount of places you can go here like you can see everything you can see the desert all that like the ocean so like i love palm trees you yeah. know and so uh i would just say just don't stop and have a backup plan because i feel like you will take it if i have one Sad as it is to say, back when it was low, I would have done it. Yeah. You know, because I didn't know where I like. I never planned on being a hired guy. Yeah. You know. You know that must be good advice because I, I met Jimmy Allen backstage at a show yeah. one time and he, he said he said the same thing. Uh, if you have a backup plan, you're you're planning to fail. You're gonna do it. Yeah, for sure. Even that five percent, you could be putting that towards your music. Absolutely. And yeah. if you're getting into it for the money, stop. <laughs> you know, because it's not bad. Don't get me wrong. If it if it goes well, it can be amazing. Yeah. You know. And it's the most, it's not a job. Like the, the job is the travel. That's like what is like the, that's the grind. This is so fun. Like bro, I'm talking to you right now, and you're awesome. And uh, I'm yeah. I just this isn't work for sure. It's my favorite thing I've ever done, and it's the only thing I've never gotten bored of. Well, guys, there you have it. My conversation with Justin DeGraff. Justin, thank you again so much for coming on the show. I had an awesome time talking with you. Everyone, go follow him on Instagram at I am Justin DeGraff. And make sure to come back next week to hear my conversation with Tyler Tomlinson, guitarist for Morgan Wallen. Check out Starting Small Music on YouTube to see all the video content from our interviews. And also, follow Starting Small Music on Instagram at Starting Small Music and let us know who you'd like to hear on the podcast next. And remember, everyone starts small.